Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the first part of this podcast, I spoke to Matt Cook and his second cousin Amos, who were brought up in what was then the exclusive Brethren, now Plymouth Brethren. The Brethren is a religious organisation known for its controlling ways, and members grow up without television, radio, magazines, even pets, going to Brethren schools and working in Brethren businesses. Members are also banned from socialising or living with non-members who live in what is perceived as the evil outside world. It's definitely some level of brainwashing. It's how you're educated as a young person. And if you're made to think that way, and if you're feared into thinking a certain way, then that's how you're going to develop as as an adult. Roz Hodgkins set up Cult Information and Family Support 30 years ago from her home in New South Wales after her own daughter became involved with a religious group while she was living in America. For the last three decades, Roz has been helping people around the world leave cults and helping them adjust to a new life. It started very much in the early 90s. It was when we started to get with parents who had family members, usually young adults, who were taken into cults. And at that stage, there was very little information. So it was a matter of, you know, trying to educate ourselves, trying to source out information. So when we began to to meet together, we started to source out information that gave us, you know, how to react, how to keep our contact with our loved one as much as we could. And so then former members started coming along as we met in Sydney at that stage and um, former members began to tell us their stories. And then we kept going with um, providing information, answering phones, emails. And in 1996, we became incorporated. We're an incorporated not-for-profit organisation. We provide a very informative website and we've continued on working in this area now for a long time. We are there to support those people. We have conferences, we have certainly workshops. Cold Information and Family Support is passionate about just being able to support people who've come out, who've been able to tell us their stories and, um, you know, move on, you know, to be able to, to live with that pain of being cut off from family. So it was in the early 90s and my daughter was one of those who got taken into a a church called the Boston Movement or the International Churches of Christ as it became known. I had absolutely no idea really about cults at that point. I knew that Hare Krishnas were in the streets and they were very easy to recognise and I knew about Scientology. But other than that, I really didn't know a lot about cults at all. So it was a crash course, I think, for for all parents when they find a a family member has, you know, started to remove their 
I guess their friendship in a way. You know, they're told to cut off from, from families. They're told to stay within that boundary of, of doing the work that they're having to do for the work of that particular group and also complying with the controls and with all those things that are part of these types of groups, area of, of working, of taking people in. Here in Western Australia, the Plymouth Brethren has recently been given planning approval to build a 500-seat church in the Perth Hills. Originally founded in the UK in the 1800s, the Plymouth Brethren now has tens of thousands of members worldwide. It's not the first international organisation to come to Australia. We're now getting heaps of uh, groups that are coming over from pretty much all the countries because they find this as a, a haven, especially if they're a spiritual group, you know, they're tax-exempt. They can come into this country, set up a spiritual group, say that it's a, you know, their religion, their belief, and then they can claim tax deductibility. So, you know, they don't have to pay tax. They can have that ability to run that spiritual group, their church, their whatever that belief is, which is just something that I think the governments have to be looking into. It's something that I think governments are afraid to talk about because they feel that they might be interfering with the spirituality that the person believes. But you're free to believe whatever you like, but you're not free to behave as you would like. Matt and Amos were born into the Brethren, but that's not always the case. Why do people join cults? I think that the point of contact that these people have with something that looks so good on the outside... You know, you never are told everything that you will have to do up front. You will be given a feeling that this is just an answer for me. I've been looking for something, whether it's spirituality or whether it's some other type of group, which we know many groups have different causes. But I think that's, that's the area that if we're not aware of this, how do we actually and how can we actually avoid them? So I think that's one area that we have to be aware of, that it's, it's very much a subtle type of introduction. Come to this meeting, come to that, do this, do that, and suddenly then the beliefs, more the inner beliefs, are starting to be seen. And by then they've come under um, a lot of, often, coercion. They've come under a lot of areas that affect them in a way that they truly believe. They've found something that is fantastic. And they want to, you know, they want to follow those behaviour controls, I guess. Coercion, persuasive control, behaviour control, thought control, information control. When you get that all happening within one of these groups, then it does become totalistic. It becomes that you are now part, unless you conform. If you're not, you know, asking too many questions that they don't want to be asked... You're going to be in there for quite a long time until the penny clicks, until something says to you, in your own understanding of something, I'm getting out. And, you know, that's one of the things that once people start having their behaviour controlled, then they are really stuck to do anything other than what the group would want them to do. That's something to, to really understand about these groups. Once you're there, you often are there for a long time before you decide to leave. But fortunately, people do leave. We've heard from people that have been in these multi-generational cults who were children. And even from a child, they've been denied so much of that friendship with other children. I've had stories of people who've been just totally wanting to leave from a very young age. 
and it's horrific to hear about those early days and then when they do, do leave, there's no family contact. And this is what cults do. They do cut people off from families, but especially some of these multi-generational cults that have got family after family being part of the membership, then that's tragedy. You know, it's a true tragedy that this is happening in spiritual groups, in churches that are tax-exempt, where there is harm. What do we know about the Brethren? What we do know is that they are very wealthy, They have a lot of influence. I think they have a lot of influence, as we've known in politics, especially when John Howard was was Prime Minister. I think that they're able to very easily afford to sue someone who might leave that particular group and then have to go through all of that harassment and that, you know, procedure of trying to come through the courts. And I think that being able to manipulate those members that they have to totally cut off from families, and I say it's manipulation because I'm sure that they're as saddened that those people who've left cannot be in contact as often those who are, you know, free and in a way free but not able to, to go and visit. It's quite secretive. We know that, you know, even members in homes tend to have the blinds pulled. We know that the buildings have no windows. We know that there's a big, usually a big fence and lots of cameras around that building. And we know that the schools are given quite a lot of government money to run those schools, and yet there's no one else allowed in that school except brethren children. And you know, that's what it is all about. They really have the members to do the work, to pay the money for courses, or if it's a church base, you know, pay into the tithes and the offerings that are required. And we know that some people in these very much pyramid-style cults that have got a powerful leader at the top is also doing many, many other things with businesses and other organisations. So I think when you get that picture, it's a totalistic-type group that is able to manage the members to remain very loyal and give a lot of money. They mostly all have their own businesses and are able to operate those businesses and do very well. They are totally enclosed in their own society within this country whilst getting taxpayers' money to, you know, run their schools and and often at the expense of even the public schools. Certainly from just our experience with the former members telling their stories, we realised that technology was not allowed. But sometimes I think we can see changes in that. They are more now open to some of those things, certainly mobile phones, but there's restrictions on those mobile phones. They can't get into a lot of social media. They can't do a lot of investigation on those phones because that's getting into the the world of evil, you know, the world that they, they don't want to belong to. It's totally gone and moved away from true and absolute Christianity as it is in the Gospels, in, you know, the reading of the New Testament. They make up their own. And and a lot of, I guess a lot of churches have sprung up doing that in many ways. But this particular group has been loyal to the absolutes and, you know, the dress codes. You know, we talk about behaviour control. There's dress codes. There is you cannot eat with other people who are out in the world. You know, you are only to be able to fellowship and eat with those people who are members. 
so many rules that come into part of your day and part of your routine. I think that's where we have to recognise that it's totally moved from what you would call it as a Christian group. So I think there's a lot to look at, you know, not only with that group, but with other groups as well, who are unable to allow children to go to tertiary schools. Once they've finished high school, that's it. They don't go on to any other learning. And that's really totally wrong in the sense that children are not given the freedom to do amazing things. You know, they may become doctors, they may become incredible scientists, but that's not allowed. So I think that's, that's where it's really, really so sad for those people who are in that situation. And as I said, children often aren't even allowed to have friendships within their own organisation because, of course, if people start colluding and agreeing that they don't like this and don't like that, it adds extra problems to that group to control. So it's very well controlled from the inside so that there won't be people that will want to leave other than those young people that are coming on now who I think are really seeking to find their freedom. The people at the top, they know what's going on, but the ordinary members are not given any, um, they don't understand. They don't have any, any connection with those people making decisions for their lives. So they just obey. Behaviour control is about doing what you don't even think about. You just do what you are meant to do. And that's very invasive of everything you do that day. So you will be thinking about everything you should be doing. You will not have time in that type of situation to even question it. You do it without questioning. So, you know, being able to critically think, is this really what I want to do, is almost impossible with someone who's come under that type of control through all those mechanisms of information, thought, emotional, and the big one, which is behaviour control. But every day in one of these groups, it's about getting up, doing the things that they're thinking they must do to be right, to be saved as a Christian, doing what they're ordered to do. So that's, that's huge. And as I said, children, they have a very lonely life. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In 2009, then-opposition leader Kevin Rudd described the Brethren as a cult. I asked Roz if she agreed with that. Absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I think we have to call a spade a spade. I think we have to look at the dynamics that we can say that it's a cult. We don't just label someone who's got a bit of a different understanding, but we have to look at the control, the rules that that group's putting on ordinary members. How do we break down that it is a cult? Well, through the dynamics, through the dynamics that 
are in place, which is, you know, if we're looking at behavior control, information control, thought control and emotional control, then those dynamics, when they're analysed and in, when they're, they're um, part of that group, that people are coming under that control of every area of their life, then they're not able to make informed choices. They would be in fear of breaking away from what the rules are of that group. Basically, when that's in place, then we would call it a cult. Through those definitions of the control, through those areas of taking away people's freedom. Speaking from my own experience with my daughter in the Boston movement, definitely she came under a control. She definitely cut off from us because she was told to by the leader. So, you know, these are powerful areas where these cults seem to have this understanding that if you are able to control your members, then you've got these people that are going about, goodness me, you know, sort of getting up, phoning other people, recruiting, going to meetings, giving, you know, a tenth, if not more, of your money to the church, even when they're on very low wages. A lot of these were university students. So that's how we come to understand how these groups are diverse totally, or diverse is not really the word, but have totally gone away from the original understanding of Christian love, of you know, support for people who are in hard places, of doing things. I know that getting back to the brethrens, they now supply food for people that might be you know, flooded out or whatever. That's come about fairly recently to sort of set a good image. But how is it deep down in their understanding? It's more for the image of the group. I believe that we do have to look at these things and really be putting it out there so that people do understand what comes when you are controlled by a group. The church has denied it is a cult, telling 10 News First Person that its members extensively engage with the wider community on a daily basis. I think that it's very difficult. Using the word cult maybe not be, you know, sort of appropriate because people have connotations that are not accurate, as we've been talking about those controls and the way people are manipulated. But I think if we talk about the harm that we know happens, we keep with the facts of what we know has happened to people. We don't generalise and just sort of talk wishy-washy about it, but we can keep to those facts and know that that is not okay, that those are the areas that need to be looked at. And I think when something comes in to recognise within our governments that these, I guess, groups that are practising in incredibly harmful ways towards their members, towards the children and towards families, I think we, we can at least see far more people being less able to get tax exemption, less able to get people's hard-earned taxes given to them to run a school when they're very, very wealthy themselves. I think these are the things we have to look at, the nitty-gritty things of what's happening right here in Australia. We've got to look at the harm all the time. That's what has to happen with all of these groups. The accountability for the harm that comes from, you know, the top and it filters down that will cut off family members. How can that be part of love? And how can that be part of acceptance of choices that people make? How can that be freedom to explore all of those wonderful opportunities for young people to be able to contribute to society? We've heard Matt and Amos' stories, but I wanted to know from Roz's experience 
what happens when you decide to leave an organisation like the Brethren. If we had all the former members here, I think you would be amazed at how they leave. But it's often with knowing that they can't live like this. That's what we have to understand, is that everyone's journey out of a cult will have a different story based on how long they were thinking about it. What plans did they have in place? There's so many factors that just mean that they can't stay any longer. They can't come under, you know, that incredible control and feel like they can be there for the rest of their lives. And so people are, and younger people today, I think, are recognising so much of the, the freedom that they have in their life if they were to leave. And so thinking on that, sometimes it could be for a long time. But when they do decide to leave, they often have to have some sort of plan. Like this young girl, she had a plan to move away from that area where she lived. And she's now living a happy, fulfilled life. And it's not without pain. It's not without emotional problems. It's not without what she was put under while she was in that group. People do leave, but certainly leaving is not an easy decision. When they're leaving this multi-generational group of family members, it's huge. And to, to be able to contemplate doing that, I could not understand how hard it would be. The price you pay is losing your family, first of all. You know, you have to leave those family members. And you have to often leave without money, so you've got to somehow see how you can survive. You lose the feeling of being part of a community where you've lived for all those number of years and are now out on your own. They're the things that young people go through. The emotional traumas, the areas of conflict that they are not able to go back and visit their families again. It's huge and that emotional upheaval of leaving cannot be underestimated at all. One person that I spoke to who had left and who actually spent some time with me here in our home, just being able to recover from that sadness and that grief of, of never seeing her nieces and nephews again and being sort of chased in a way when she did try to get away and taken back again to the parents. But eventually the good news story is that she's now able to um, live a life in freedom. And I know this one of this particular person who left had at one stage been taken from Australia because she, I think she always had this feeling she didn't want to be in, the, in the, the group at all. She was taken from Australia to the UK. She had a sister who was in the UK married to someone over there by two brothers of the actual exclusive brethren, almost escorting her. And she thought, great, I'm going for a holiday. She was taken to her sister's house and held captive, trying to talk her out of doing this. And I have to say, she was a tenacious person and she wanted freedom to live her life and to go back, to be taken back again to Australia and then to eventually plan how she could leave was, you know, I'm in admiration. But it was truly through having in Melbourne support people that were there for her from Cold Information and Family Support and give her a safe haven where she could come to terms with that emotional, absolute, you know, sadness of now not having family with her. Another member told us about how she was an only child and she just, and her, her parents were quite high up in the organisation as leaders. She was so lonely that 
she pleaded and pleaded that she could get a calf, that they could buy her a calf and she would rear it and then she would sell it. So she had sort of a friend. So she had someone that was, or something, that gave her a feeling that she was able to, to have something in her life as, at a young age. She eventually did leave and her parents totally cut off. She had a child who was diagnosed with leukaemia. Not once did those parents go to Sydney to see her, to visit her, to comfort her about her child that was very ill. I know that from one person, that this particular person that we were helping, she was able to have a little car. She worked for one of the Exclusive Brethren's work sites and she wanted desperately, desperately to leave because of what she had felt about staying in such a controlling situation. And she was able to travel quite a long distance in her car, but they were able to trace her. And the family went and confronted her and tried to get her to leave and to go home. When people go to that extent of chasing an adult who's not a child anymore, wanting to make her own decisions, then there's something terribly wrong. We've certainly entered a submission to the Charities Not-for-Profit Commission in Canberra. We've done a lot of, you know, trying to seek out the governments that can look at the fact that a spiritual group is okay to believe whatever it would want to believe, but it's not okay to harm people. It's not okay to break families up. It's not okay to take away the freedom of an individual in these many, many groups that do this. It's an ongoing work, but it's fantastic that there's more information. That's, that is really, I guess, the, the area that we're really excited about, that there's, there's such a lot of information out there now. We're passionate about helping those that leave and being able to support them because they've been brave enough to do that. What would Matt say to someone thinking about leaving the Brethren or a similar organisation? I, I don't know. I, I just honestly feel like it's like a lost cause trying to trying to change the church itself. There's just so much about it that I just disagree with and it just doesn't sit right with me, you know. And I'm sure there are other people that feel that way too. So all I can do is just plead with them to just think for yourself, you know. Really analyse what is important in life. Your family, you know, your loved ones, your own children, your own siblings. That needs to be a priority, that should be important. Not what some leader is telling you, what you should be uh, doing, what you should be prioritizing. Just think about what's in your heart. That story by Brendan Crew. This episode was written, produced, and edited by Ali Aitken. This has been a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks. I'm Neralda Jacobs. We'll see you next time. G'day, I'm Barry Dubois. If you've heard my name, you probably know me as that bloke off the living room. Believe it or not, there's a little bit more to me than just that. 
For 35 years, I've worked in design, construction and real estate. And during that time, I bought, renovated and sold about $150 million worth of real estate while running my own property development business. And then I threw it all in at 45 to retire and sail around the world. There's no doubt about it, life has been a hell of a journey so far and I've learned a few things along the way. Things about homes and families that I want to share with you. If you listen to this podcast, I reckon you're going to learn a little bit about design. All sorts of styles works. It used to be that it was a very um, raw space where people didn't put as much effort in, but now they're really focused on even making it more like a hotel. You'll learn about sustainability. Anything you can do to reduce those leaks, whether it's seals on your windows and doors or caulking up the gaps beneath your skirting boards, those kind of things to reduce how much of that airflow flows in and out is going to have a big impact. And also, I want to share a bit about my personal philosophies on life, if you indulge me, of course. Joining us on the journey will be industry insiders, gurus and interesting people from all walks of life. So I had a pet penguin. No way. Yeah, so he was a penguin that had washed ashore. To check that he was ready to go back into the, into the ocean, we used to put him into the swimming pool. And he'd swim around the swimming pool, but he was so fast you couldn't get him out. So we'd have to get in there with a the pool scoop, and, and that was my job to swim around and try to catch him eventually. <laughs> but if he was fast enough, then it was a sign he was ready to go back to the wild. So hit that subscribe button and join me and my friends on Hammer at Home with Barry Dubois. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.